the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob Fratz Authority on AM 1420. The Answer. It is indeed, and hour number two is underway now at nine minutes past ten o'clock on this Tuesday, the 21st morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord, 2018. Thanks so much for joining us uh, on AM 1420, The Answer. Without further ado, we always start hour number two on Wednesdays when he's, av- or excuse me, Tuesdays rather, when he is available with Peter Kersenow, Cleveland attorney, member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights, and also the host of the Kersenow Report you get weekly right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Peter, good morning, sir. Bob, how are you doing? Only 63 more days till we start to vindicate ourselves at the World Series. And uh, lots of good news going on. You know, there's uh, one of the things that I think is hilarious, makes me laugh like crazy, is the fact that a week and a half ago, Trump's approval rating among blacks reached 28%, which is an historic high for Republicans. No one's ever remotely come close to that. And as you know, if Democrats can't get a lockhold on 90% of the black vote, they have no chance in national electoral politics. In fact, they've gotten more than 90% of the vote in three of the last five, in all five of the past presidential elections, but have still lost three. So they can't afford to lose a percentage point. Trump was at 28%, which I thought was remarkable a week and a half ago. This week, he's at 39%. This is unheard of territory. And that's why you're going to hear, I think, for the foreseeable future, claims of racism and, uh, you know, Trump is a bigot and, you know, so are all the deplorables. We're going to hear more and more of that, even though that's the go-to thing during the election year for Democrats anyway. I think we're going to hear it on steroids now. Wow. Peter, all I was going to ask you is how you enjoyed the Red Sox game last night. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, you know, just dove in head first. We, we were trying to give it away in the ninth, but, uh, you know, Cody Allen battled through lots of pitches. Um, you know, if we can get Trevor Bauer back, uh, it, it, you know, and he can get a start or two before the playoffs, 
I think we're in good shape. I think we're well positioned. The bullpen is starting to come together. And heck, as long as you got Ramirez, Brantley, if Encarnacion gets back into the lineup, um, you know, Lindor, you know, you look at our offense. We've got right now the number two offense in the American League. And but if you look at discrete categories that I think are more important. You can make an argument that right now we've got the the best offense in the American League, and especially since the All-Star break. So you put that together with Kluber, if Bauer's back. You know, we've got four of the top ten pitchers in the American League. Four. That's incredible. No other team has more than, than two. Houston's got two. So we're positioned well. We're, we're doing well right now. Uh, but, you know, as they always say, it all depends on health. That's exactly right. And by the way, hey, can you do me a favor, uh, Pete? And, and obviously we have a lot of more important things to discuss, but I have to do this. I need a witness. Hugh Hewitt, can, now you're, you're not on Twitter because you're smarter than the rest of us, okay? But those of us who are on Twitter because we feel the need to push back against fake news and propaganda and everything else from the left when they use that platform, uh, Hugh Hewitt continues to troll me accusing me of being anti-Baker Mayfield back before the uh, NFL draft and claiming that he was on board with Baker Baker, the touchdown maker from the beginning, and he keeps trolling me now that it looks like Baker is going to be exactly what I told you and him and uh, who else was up there, uh, Medved and uh, and all of the, uh, the VIP picture takers at our Salem event right before uh, the draft. I was the only one out on an island by myself in the Baker Mayfield camp as you and he went, Darnold and Rosen and whatever else the rest of you lunatics did. Now he's trying to tell his thousands, hundreds of thousands of, uh, of Twitter followers that I am anti-Baker Mayfield. When, can I get a witness here, please, on who was uh, on the Baker? I was there. I was right there. We were standing together. He and I were giving you all kinds of crap for going for Baker Mayfield. Although, in my defense, I said he's not bad, but you got to go with the sure thing. And the sure thing is a Darnold. Baker Mayfield's got too many ifs And after we got burned yep. by... Um, you know, uh, uh, Johnny Manziel, but he's no Johnny Manziel. But definitively, without question, Hugh was giving you all kinds of crap about it. He was a Darnold fan. He was he was saying make Baker Mayfield was another Johnny Manziel. So I'm here as a witness, and if you want, I'll push back on Hugh on this. That is completely wrong. Revisionist history. Well, listen, I'm hosting his show Tuesday and Wednesday next week. Uh, I don't know if he'll be listening or not, but I will be telling his mammoth nationwide audience the truth. And I may ask you to come on so you can verify it on his show as well. Because well, if uh, I can't do it, I'm willing to do a tape so you can have it played. I will completely <laughs> debunk this revisionist history. There's no way in the world. And I was surprised. I have to say, I was surprised you were going with Baker Mayfield. I respect your football judgment on this. But now you've been, uh, well, okay, two games into the preseason, and the Browns are always going to be champs of the preseason. Sure. But I got to say, uh, as somebody who's been watching football for a long, long time and has played football, I think Baker Mayfield is, well, he's not Johnny Manziel, but he shows all of the attributes of being a good NFL quarterback. The, you know, it's remains I think he's got really the goods. Amazed, what amazed me was I saw a graphic being put up during the first uh, exhibition game. I knew he had a lot of records, but they put a graphic of all-time stats among college quarterbacks. You know, the the biggest stats, such as total yards, yards in in a given season, completion percentage, touchdowns, touchdown-interception ratio, all those things. And Baker Mayfield was either number one or somewhere within the top four in all these categories. I was stunned by that. Of course, that's college, but you consider where he was playing, number one. And number two, in the first two preseason games, he looks like a real quarterback. And those who said he kind of reminds of of Brett Favre 
Okay, it's only two games into the preseason. A lot remains to be seen. But I like what I see so far, and I like what I see from Tyrod Taylor, too. I do, too. I do, too. And I think this kid's got the goods. I really do. And I think Tyrod is a placeholder just because uh, uh, of, of, of what Mayfield's upside really is. All right, Pete, let's dive more back into the more important news now. This is John Brennan on uh, Sunday. I called his behavior treasonous, which is to betray one's trust and to aid and abet the enemy. And I stand very much by that uh, claim. He claims that uh, President Trump is treasonous. However, in a separate comment, he said, not treason in the actual de- definition of the word, but I stand by it. He also I said, I am going to do whatever I can personally to try to prevent these abuses in the future. And if it means going to court, I will, I will do that. He said he will file a federal lawsuit over having his security clearance revoked by the president. Rudy Giuliani says, I dare you to do just that. He's not going to bring that lawsuit. And he's not going to bring it first of all because no reputable lawyer will bring it. There's nothing to sue over. It's a privilege. Mm-hmm. And it's a privilege long extended. He what reason does he have to have uh, security clearance? And that's a really good question, especially since he is almost the de facto leader of the resistance, or at least right up there with Maxine Waters. But John Brennan is taking a little bit more seriously. Pete, tell me your reaction to the revoking of Brennan's na- uh, uh, security clearance and the president's threat to revoke the clearance of many others uh, in the deep state who have been fired from the Department of Justice or on the verge of such, such as Bruce Orr. You know, the election of Donald Trump brings to the fore a lot of questions that no one's really ever addressed before. And one of them is, why do former officials have national security clearance in the first place? Why does anyone, aside from Brennan, I don't care who it is, why should they be having access to national secrets after they're already out of government service? If you need their I think that I think Rudy answered that, Pete, if I may. I I think Rudy answered that in his uh, interview yesterday. uh, And tell me if you agree with it. It basically is there may be former um, intelligence agency officials who are no longer in office, whose judgment and whose experience right. might be tapped into by current intelligence officials, and that's exactly. why they need that answer. Exactly. But, so but clearly, you, a guy like Brennan would not be one of them. Yeah, well, if you need their expertise, you can grant them provisional clearance, okay? And you can kind right. of brief them on what's happened while they didn't have the clearance, and then get their judgment expertise based on, you know, their service to the country and mm-hmm. uh, what they've witnessed before. But why they've got open access to this or, you know, ongoing clearance is something that had never been addressed until the age of Trump, and all the wackles come out of the, of the way, and you start asking yourself, well, wait a minute, why do they have clearance? With respect to Brennan individually, whether or not it's a good idea to give others national security clearance, and we have a lot of very, very good people who've given service to the country who, you know, I don't have a problem with them having uh, clearance because I don't think they'd ever do anything that would harm either overtly or inadvertently American interests. But a guy like John Brennan, if you just watch him on television, you get, you know, bumps on the back of your neck saying this guy was the head of the CIA. I mean, really think about this. I'm not trying to be facetious about this. Just watch this guy. He is an intemperate person who had his hands on the levers of central intelligence, and we saw what he did with it. He spied on the Senate Judiciary Committee. If it were in an era other than Obama, can you imagine a Nixon CIA director spying on Senate intelligence or Senate Judiciary? What that would uh, that's extraordinary. But, of course, the left media doesn't care about that because the overarching aim is to get at Trump. So they'll excuse all kinds of other sins that would have made them apoplectic in years past. We also know that he politicized intelligence 
rapidly. We never really got access for a long time to the trove of information we got when SEAL Team 6 raided Osama bin Laden. And then when they did so, he would trickle out information that would support the false Obama narrative that al-Qaeda was on the run, that ISIS was being crushed. All of that was false. So this guy was manipulating this intelligence, arguably to the detriment of the, the interests of the country. But I go back to first principles. Yeah, uh, in our youth, we all made mistakes, and we can't be held forever accountable for those mistakes. Otherwise, we'd all be continuing to work at McDonald's for the rest of our lives. But at an adult age, John Brennan voted for the communist for president during the height of the Cold War. And I in know 1976. is too young to understand this, but if you put yourself into the atmosphere at that time, that was something you didn't do, something that was unheard of. It was the height of the Cold War, remember, against the nasty Russians. And this guy votes for the guy who is advocating the overthrow of the United States. That was a big deal, and in most cases back then, things such as advocating the overthrow of the United States, or in the case of Peter Strzok, for example, if you were subject to blackmail because you were having an affair, you'd be drummed out. Yeah, and, and, and that was in 1976 that he voted for the communist candidate. I mistakenly said 1980 earlier. Obviously, that was the Reagan election. But, but in 1976, he voted for the communist. And then in 1980, that's when he entered the CIA. Before, of course, when Barack Obama becomes president, actually being named director of the CIA, which is simply staggering. Uh, one other quick note, and then we've got to take a time out, and I want to get back and talk about truth isn't truth. But, Pete, uh, we have to point out that... Um, uh, John Brennan, his his comment about President Trump being treasonous because he dared to meet with Vladimir Putin uh, in Helsinki and and didn't finger wag Vladimir Putin enough and uh, you know for his satisfaction that that makes him treasonous. This is a guy again who literally voted for somebody who wanted who is an enemy of the United States. If you're a communist, in my mind, you are an enemy of the United States. Is that not the pot calling the kettle black more than anything you've ever seen? Trump meets with Putin and, and, and actually wants to come to common ground with him. This guy actually voted for somebody who wanted to overthrow the United States. That, that should not be lost on today's voters. Precisely my point, and I'll, I'll add something to that. He was CIA director at a time when we, the United States, maybe not we, but the Obama administration, decided to put over a billion dollars in cash on a pallet secretively so no one would know and send it over to Iran, which is the chief state sponsor of terrorists, our avowed enemy, has been killing Americans, and he has the audacity to talk about treason. He, meaning John Brennan, expedited the transfer of this cash and the Iran uh, country, uh, the the Iran nuke deal. This this is extraordinary stuff, but what's important for the media is he's trashing Trump so all sins will be forgiven. Very well said. Peter Kirsten, now, as always, Pete, hang with me. We'll get a traffic here. I want to come back and talk about Rudy and truth isn't truth and the left losing their mind over that statement. Next on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, continuing on now at 1025, i got five good, good minutes left with Peter Kirsten now this morning. Pete, um, 
Rudy Giuliani sat down with Chuck Todd on what used to be a reputable news program back when it was hosted by somebody not named Chuck Todd. Uh, Chuck Todd tried to trap Rudy Giuliani in the same way that Rudy Giuliani is worried Bob Mueller will try to trap Donald Trump. So uh, what I have to tell you is, look, I'm not going to be rushed into having him testify so that he gets trapped into perjury. And when you tell me that, you know, he should testify because he's going to tell the truth and he shouldn't worry, well, that's so silly because it's somebody's version of the truth, not the truth. He didn't have a, a conversation. Truth is truth. About, I, I don't mean to go like. I, no, I it isn't truth. Truth isn't truth. The president of the United States says I didn't. Truth is a uh, truth. Mr. Mayor, do you realize what I. I, I no, I, no, this no, is going to become a what, bad don't, don't, meme. Don't, don't. Which is exactly what Chuck Todd wanted to do. He was literally openly mocking Rudy Giuliani. He had his head in his hands on the set while Rudy was answering it. He's chuckling during it and then saying, I can see this being a bad meme. And Rudy, of course, predictably was killed by the left for truth isn't truth. Pete, I knew what he meant. He knew what he meant. And any objective, reasonable person knew what he meant. How did you surmise what he meant? Well, I surmise what he meant the same way you did, and I surmise also that uh, Chuck Todd is a hack that we know. Like he was a political hack. What's amazing to me about Chuck Todd is not so much Chuck Todd. He can't you know, control being himself. He said, are there no adults at NBC? I mean, the folks who actually pay the bills out of 320 million people, is this the best they can come up with? I mean, he has one of the premier shows, news shows on television. You would think they'd get somebody equal to the task, but they got somebody who is, number one, as I said before, a hack, a biased partisan hack, and yep. number two, has no clue. This guy, I'm surprised he ever graduated from fourth grade. I don't mean to be that pejorative about him, but when you watch it critically, you're not getting any news out of this thing. He doesn't know how to question a, a um, interviewee. He has no ability to analyze beyond the partisan talking points that somebody must be giving to him. It's embarrassing to watch. Back in the old days, you know, I'm old enough to remember when I may have disagreed with some of the talking heads that manned the various talk shows, but at least they had a modicum of ability and talent. They had a little bit of, of uh, understanding. They had common sense and a little bit of an historical perspective. Uh, that's not the case with many of the talking heads today, and Chuck Todd is, if not Exhibit A, he's one of the top two or three exhibits. There's no way in the world, we all know this, nobody would ever allow the president, he may do it himself because it's, it's Trump, but you wouldn't allow the president, even if he had absolutely nothing to hide and did everything the correct way of bub, above board to go before uh, Mueller under oath. Because, my goodness, if he says that it's Wednesday and made a mistake and it was actually Tuesday, there you got it. I mean, I'm being yep. simplistic about it, obviously, but there's no way in the world. The, the truth well, well, in, the, the, it, in, in this way, Pete, you know, you're right. That was a very simplistic uh, uh, analogy, but, but more directly and to the point, um, when Rudy Giuliani says truth isn't truth, both guys can be telling the truth as they perceive it. If James right, exactly. Comey hears Donald Trump say to him, I hope you can take it easy on, on Flynn, Comey may hear obstruction. He just told me that he hopes I can do something that I wouldn't do ordinarily, but it's coming from the president. That's obstruction. Trump, in his mind, said, I just said, here's a suggestion, do a favor for the guy who's already been fired. Both of them, in their own truth or in their own minds are are being truthful one can mean one thing but have it received very differently from someone else and guess who jay or guess who uh bob Mueller is going to side with on whether or not one guy was honest and the other one wasn't president trump or his best friend james comey 
Chuck Todd, a man of the left, should know that it's the left that's propounded this notion of no objective truth. You have my truth and somebody else's truth. So the fact of the matter is that if President Trump cites facts, Comey, uh, I'm sorry, um, Mueller and any member of his team can paint those facts in such a fashion. You look at what happened to Scooter Libby. That should be Exhibit A as to why, if you have absolutely no reason to be testifying, you shouldn't be testifying before somebody who's after your scalp. Pete, is it fair to say that this uh, this bag, which is what it is now for a Mueller to to get Trump in front of him, is the last gasp of this investigation? He has worked it for fourteen months and has nothing has nothing concrete that would indicate collusion between the campaign and the Russians, and so he needs something before he puts a wrap on this. And his last gasp gasp effort is to try to trap Trump. Yeah, I think that's the case. And when you see that, you know, they have issued this um, uh, statement with respect to Papadopoulos. Uh, there, this thing is going out with a whimper, uh, not a bang. Yeah. On top of everything else, where is the crime in collusion? Um, that's why you start seeing them going after obstruction when there was no underlying crime, because there's nothing there. What they want to do is come up with enough stuff to give Democrats in the media, but I repeat myself, a basis upon which to cry impeachment or to further trash Trump. Pete, since you just brought it up and you're an attorney, let me ask you this before you go. Is collusion a crime? The president you know, said something about that two weeks ago, and people, oh my goodness, now he knows he did collude, so he's trying to just say, well, it's not illegal to collude. Is it illegal for a campaign, which is always looking for oppo research, to ask somebody else outside the country for that oppo research? Is that, quote-unquote, colluding with them? And if it is, is that illegal? Bob, I have not researched it beyond just a kind of superficial research, and I've looked at what people like Andy McCarthy and other very respected people like Dershowitz have had to say, and the Mm -hmm. answer they give is no. Uh, Given that their brain cells are far more plentiful than mine, I'll go with that. You know, um, I don't see any basis upon, again, my superficial research on this shows that you can receive information from foreign sources. You can ask for information from foreign sources. There's a First Amendment right for those kinds of things. Uh, so I don't think there's a basis for collusion there, okay. where you start to grant benefits in return for that information. That's a whole other thing. So when a Hillary Clinton, for example, starts giving licenses to the Russians in return for $150 million to the Clinton Foundation, well, you know, that's a little bit different. What strikes me as odd is nobody is talking about those things. We have crimes in plain sight, or at least potential crimes in plain sight, blatant, with, with sirens blaring, and everybody's looking at nothing for two years in Trump. Well, I just wanted to be clear if it was a crime or not to receive uh, oppo research and information from a foreign source and whether it's illegal or not, because if it is, then I would like to know how Hillary Clinton gets away with receiving information from a British ex-spy who did indeed receive benefits for that uh, in the form of, uh, I don't know, nearly a million dollars. Maybe it was over a million dollars. But Christopher Steele uh, is a foreign national, and he provided oppo research in the form of that phony dossier, and yet nobody is worried about that. We'll let it go there, Pete. Thank you so much. Great stuff as always. By the way, the next time you claim somebody like McCarthy has a, uh, a better IQ or however you phrase that before, uh, we're going to have to go. I don't know anybody who knows stuff better than you do, my friend. Thank you for the time. Thanks, Bob. You got it. 1033 News Now, AM 1420, The Answer.
You ever do the butt dance when you can't dance on your feet? That's kind of what I'm doing right now. See, I'm a terrible dancer. I have no rhythm whatsoever. But in the chair? Oh, yeah. I can do it. I can shimmy a little bit. You get a beat going like this, and I do. I'll do the butt dance. 1039 now, the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, the answer. Phone lines are open to you the rest of the way at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Thanks again to Peter Kersenow, uh for his great analysis. One thing I didn't get a chance to ask, Pete, that I did want to ask is uh, how President Trump can be so bad at being a Nazi. You know? I mean, seriously. He's a lousy Nazi. To, to listen to the left tell the story, as you know, uh, President Trump and his supporters are fascists. They're like Nazis. This is, this is what the Trump t- uh, uh, administration is all about. And all his supporters. If you wear a Make America Great Again hat or shirt, you are called Nazi. Heck, to Antifa, if you if you were carrying an American flag, you're called a Nazi. But at any rate, President Trump has been called all of those things. He's a white supremacist. He identifies with neo-Nazis. Uh, this, is, this is what he is. Well, somebody's going to have to explain to me then how he can be so bad at being a Nazi. Because when you do something that neither one of the last two administrations has been able to do, that was ordered 15 years ago, Back in 2003, such as deporting the last known Nazi out of the United States of America, uh, you're really kind of losing some of your Nazi cred. Don't you think? In immigration and customs enforcement, working to deport uh, this Nazi. He was a Nazi guard in World War II. He was still alive, 95 years old, is still alive, and has deported back to, to Germany. He's no longer in this home. Uh, this is the home that he has lived in for 60, 70 years. Uh, he moved to Queens uh, after the war. He came here as a refugee. He lied about his status when he got here. His Queens home has been the site of many protests since he was discovered and had his citizenship stripped nearly 50 Fifteen years ago, he was granted that citizenship back in 1957 after he lied on that application saying he worked in a factory during the war, and he was finally deported on Monday. There was a big delay because this man, 95-year-old Yaakov Pali, is not German, and they're trying to send him back to Germany. This, uh, this known Nazi collaborator slash trainer is uh, thought to be responsible for as many as 6,000 deaths at the camp uh, that he trained uh, and uh, people for working in. He, again, had his citizenship revoked, as you just heard, back in 19, or excuse me, uh, back in 2003. He was granted citizenship in 1957. But in 2003, he was discovered to have lied, and he was ordered to be deported. Ordered to be deported. President Bush didn't get him deported. Eight years of President Obama didn't get him deported. Donald Trump, in his second year in office, gets this Nazi out of this country, sends him back to Germany. Now, whether or not he he will face charges there or not is another story. Whether they have evidence enough to convict him in a court and make him live his last very, very short remaining period of his life, he's 95, uh, in a jail cell or not is unknown. But the fact is he could not be and should not have been allowed to live here in the comfort of the United States as a Nazi. And it was President Trump who made this happen with the assistance, of course, of Ambassador to Germany, Richard Grinnell.
This has been somebody who was uh, deported in 2004. Consecutive uh, governments of the U.S., consecutive administrations have tried to remove him. It was a difficult task because this individual is not uh, of German citizenry. He had his U.S. citizenship taken away, so he technically was without a country. He was stateless. And Germany did not want to take him. Germany would not take him because he wasn't a German national. And so none of the previous administrations could get it done. But here comes Donald Trump, who, by the way, is supposedly, you know, the, the worst thing in the world when it comes to keeping our, our allied relationships with uh, so many of the Western Europe, uh, European powers that we work with. He's got a terrible relationship with Angela Merkel and others. And yet somehow he got it done. Somehow he convinced Germany to take him. President Trump made it very clear he wanted to work through all of these issues, figure out a way, and the way that we uh, presented to the German government was they had a moral obligation, not necessarily a legal one uh, with, with this individual, but a moral obligation because he worked in the name of, then, of the then German government. And so the moral obligation on part of the Germans was received. And, and they, they said, yes, we, we recognize that. Let's work through these difficult issues. It took us a little while. That, again, is uh, Ambassador Richard Grinnell, uh, our ambassador to uh, Germany. Um, I, I cannot overstate how big that is. Now, you might say, well, it's not that big if he doesn't get held accountable for his crimes and executed. No, 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 no. We don't have any control over that. But this is President Donald Trump at his best. This is President Donald Trump negotiating and convincing and arguing and winning a battle that previously was unwinnable. Convincing the German government that they had the responsibility to take this person even though he was not a German national because he worked for then Germany. He was a representative of the German government when he worked uh, for the Nazis. And they had a moral obligation. Sure, he might not be a German national, so legally you don't have to take him, but who else should take him? You should. Germany, modern-day Germany, should bear the, the burden of this for 1930s and 1940s Germany. Only President Trump could have negotiated that. Only President Trump could have won that debate and that argument and gotten him deported. Much to his great dismay, he was screaming as they loaded him from his wheelchair and into the, uh, the truck or van or whatever it was that they took him away in. He was screaming. President Trump made that happen. We've worked with a lot of different partners to find the truth about this individual. Uh, he did not give us the truth. He lied for several years. Mm -hmm. So uh, we are glad to see him uh, put on a plane yesterday. He, wrote, he uh, arrived in Dusseldorf, Germany this morning. And uh, it, it, it's a great day for the United States to have this individual out of our country. Mm -hmm. friend of mine uh, and fellow uh, media member, radio and television host John Cardillo, posted on Facebook about an hour ago a really, really profound statement about this. Donald Trump and his openly gay ambassador to Germany, Richard Grinnell, deported a Nazi war criminal, and there were federal agents of color handling the apprehension and escort. He literally destroyed every criticism of the left in one action. That's, that's profound, and that is very, very accurate. The president and his gay ambassador to Germany 
and his uh, minority federal agents deported a Nazi that no president has been able to do since his deportation was ordered in 2003. Just let that sink in for a minute. This individual, uh, again, uh, um, was, was believed to have been, his name is Jacu Palesian. It's hard to pronounce that. Uh, this was a priority. The president instructed Grinnell to make this a priority to get this guy out of the United States uh, of America. The implement or the uh, deportation order again was implemented back in 2003, but kicking him out uh, has been very, very difficult because, as you just heard Grinnell say, there were a lot of diplomatic negotiations, and the fact that he was not a German citizen caused many, many problems. Uh, as far as what he did and and who he was, again, the dishonesty there is was outlined too by uh, by Grinnell. But uh, he claimed to be, have been working as a farmer and as a factory worker during the war years and that he had nothing to do uh, with the Nazi party. Court documents, however, indicated that uh, men who trained at the SS training camp in Troniki, if I'm saying that, pr- pronouncing that correctly, carried out the Nazi regime's plan to murder Jews in Poland. Um, the 95-year-old served as an armed guard at the adjacent Troniki labor camp where he played an indispensable role in the death of roughly 6,000 Jews who were killed in one of the largest single massacres of the Holocaust in 1943, according to the statement. So again, he lied and said he worked on a farm and a factory, uh, but obviously enough evidence existed that no, he was not uh, who he said he was. And uh, finally, he is uh, gone from the United States. How he'll live in Germany, how he'll survive, what the government there will do to him or for him is anybody's guess. But this was just uh, the president, to me, showing why we elected him. And you might know, say, oh, it's a minor deal. Well, yeah, this is minor in the grand scheme of things. 4.1% GDP growth. That's, that's major in the grand scheme of things. Record low unemployment is, is major in the grand scheme of things. The Iran nuclear deal, major. This one little individual is minor in that regard, but it is just an example of him being able to do things that other presidents can't. And I will say this. I will say this as somebody who was a skeptic of Donald Trump in the uh, primaries. As you know, I supported a number of other candidates before I supported Donald Trump. I became a full-time Trump supporter when it became obvious that he was the nominee and we had to stop Hillary Clinton. But I will say this. I don't know if any of the other um, uh, primary candidates on that Republican stage could have gotten things like this done. I just don't. Donald Trump is, is smooth. He's very, very smooth in many, many ways. Sometimes he's the opposite of smooth. When he gets Twitter in his hands and he gets a little bit uh, you know, crazy, he's very, very clunky, the opposite of smooth. But when it comes to negotiating and trying to convince people to do things his way, he is very, very smooth, and he just did that. So uh, just a great story that I hope uh, you'll share with other people. The president, who's accused of being a uh, neo-Nazi supporter, white supremacist supporter, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, just did something that other presidents could not do and got rid of the last known Nazi collaborator living in the United States. All right, 1050, we'll get traffic now. We'll come right back and wrap it up on AM 1420, The Answer. Ten fifty-three, final segment of the Bob France Authority on this Tuesday morning. Mike Gallagher waiting in the wings. He'll take you from eleven to noon. Then Prager and Medved and Seculo and Elder and Walsh right here on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. I want to wrap uh, this morning with this story 
um, which is becoming far too common. Uh, commentary on social Darwinism, commentary on the millennial generation, commentary on the youth of America uh, destroying itself for its own entertainment. We've told you about snorting condoms up their noses. We've told you about them uh, burning one another with bleach. We've told you about, uh, I, mean, I can't even remember all of the, the viral new YouTube slash Instagram video crazes that make uh, these uh, eating Tide Pods is another one that make these young teenagers and 20-somethings, again, the millennial generation, uh, they literally are, are, are going to, uh, they're going to de-evolve the human race to the point where, uh, again, uh, I don't know, I guess social Darwinism is the best way to describe it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling for words here to describe the story that I read this morning and that I posted on my Facebook page. If you haven't seen it yet, follow me on Facebook at France Radio. The latest thing that kids are doing to try to prove how cool they are and to entertain one another on social media is being called the fire challenge. Let me su uh, summarize it with one, st uh, one statement in this story. These kids are trying these YouTube challenges. This particular YouTube challenge involves... Dowsing oneself with rubbing alcohol and then setting themselves on fire and then quickly trying to put it out before being harmed. I'll say this again. They are setting themselves on fire for the entertainment of people they don't know on YouTube and on uh, Instagram and on Twitter. Trying to get as many likes as possible because look how cool I am. I ate a Tide Pod. Look how cool I am. I snorted a condom. Look how cool I am. I literally set myself on fire. And now a 12-year-old girl from Detroit hospitalized on Friday after severe burns, uh, after participating in the fire challenge. Tamia Landers was hanging out with two friends when they said, let's entertain people we don't know online. Let's put ourselves, put our, our cover ourselves in rubbing alcohol and strike a match. According to the mother, while mimicking what she saw on YouTube, Tamia ran down the hallway on fire from her knees to her hair. She quickly took her daughter into the restroom, threw her into the bathtub, and doused her with water to extinguish the flames. She was then rushed to the hospital where she uh, was determined to have been burned over 49% of her body. The girl's friends say the internet trend in which people douse themselves in rubbing alcohol and set themselves on fire is being repeated more and more. And they challenge one another to take part in the activity. The girl was supposed to start seventh grade in the coming week. She will instead remain hospitalized for several months. She's going to have to have at least three more surgeries over the course of her long recovery, according to a GoFundMe page set up for the girl. Owens told Fox 2 that parents need to watch their children to make sure they're not participating in such stunts. You think? These kids are trying all these YouTube challenges, the mother said. Monitor your kids, especially with these phones, and if I could... After with this happening, my kids would never have been able, never be able to be on social media. No more iPhones, nothing. Last month, 
A 15-year-old suffered second-degree burns to his body after his... Fr- oh, I forgot about this one. I, sk- I went right from Tide Pods to condom snorting. I forgot about this one. Pouring boiling hot water on oneself. That's another one. Or drinking boiling water through a straw and then burning your insides. That's another viral uh, YouTube challenge that these kids are engaging in. And this one actually had it done to him as he slept to complete the, quote, hot water challenge. So we went from boiling water to, you know what, that's not enough. Let's just go straight fire. Set yourself on fire for the amusement of others, and let's see how that works out. I once again defer to the snooty waiter in the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off, who looked at Ferris and his friends and declared, I weep for the future. And friends, if this is indeed the future, if this is the generation that is going to take over this country... So do I. So that's the uh, set yourself on fire challenge. Parents, (sighs) if your kids have phones, if your kids have access to YouTube and Instagram, and you're not stalking them and you're not monitoring everything they watch and every, every single thing they watch and every single thing they do, then you're not doing your job right. That's it. That's all the time we've got today. If I left you on hold, I apologize. I did want to tell that last story. Uh, stay where you are. Mike Gallagher's coming up. Thanks to Peter Kirstenau for running the show. Thanks to Samuel Lockhart. I'm sorry. Thanks to Peter for joining us. Thanks to Samuel Lockhart for running the show. And thanks to you for listening. We're back tomorrow for the next Bob France Authority. Mike Gallagher's coming up. Stay here on AM 1420, The Answer. Bye-bye. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.